Welcome to the Queen's School Chester podcast, the place where we talk to staff, parents and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. In this episode, we're finding out about co-curricular life at school as we speak with Head of Co-Curricular, Becky Broom. So Becky is about to explain what clubs and activities fall under the co-curricular umbrella, why it's so important to have a co-curricular program in school and how this helps to create a student's identity. But we also get to hear how to find out more about the available activities if you're a parent. That's all coming up in this episode, so come with me now as we step into the world of co-curricular with Becky Broom. Becky, thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. I've just come down from a, a very busy Matilda rehearsal, singing very hard songs in parts with a load of kids. So this is a bit of a change. I'm very pleased to be here. Oh, so what age children were you singing Matilda with then? They were from year eight to 13. It's our whole school production we're working on this year. So I think the group we had with us were eight to 13. Oh, wow. Wow. And how's it coming along so far? Well, it's early stages. We spent Monday nights. I was actually uh, teaching them all a very long and far too complicated dance routine, which is I'm not a dance teacher. It's not what I do usually. So that was entertaining. <laughs> but we're, we're quite early stages. So, yeah, it's very exciting. I love whole school productions. They are one of the best things in my mind. I am a music teacher, so they're one of the best things in my mind because you get to see a whole bunch of 60 kids who've barely ever met anyone outside of their little friendship group and by the end the mixing of year 13s who've become best mates with a year nine and then there's two year tens and a year seven it's just um, i love it it's fabulous and when's the actual production of this then march beginning right. of march right okay so we've got a fair way to go then so yes you must be right at the start of those rehearsals and then at production time how many how many evenings or afternoons do you perform it over We'll do three nights and might do some sort of a matinee dress rehearsal type thing, but it'll be three proper shows. Great. Well, we've all got that to look forward to, which is great. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about co-curricular activities and, and how the school manages everything there. In a moment, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that. But first of all, just tell us a little bit about your own education, where you went to school and what your own experience of school was like. Well, I grew up quite close to here in Chester. I grew up in Nutsford and I went to Nutsford High School, as it was called then. And for me, music, drama, dance was hugely important. And I, I'm a musician, That's what, what I started teaching as a music teacher, and I'm a pianist, I'm a performer. Mm. So being on stage and being involved in performances and concerts and sort of When I think about my school experience, I don't really picture being in a classroom. I picture all the things that I did outside the classroom Mm. and they're the memories that I hold. And that's why I continued with my music. Things like that, they're what make you who you are, the things Mm. that you're really passionate about. And they're the things that as you become an adult, you can't really let go of them because they're so ingrained in you. And that's what made me continue on to do music at Music Conservatoire and then become a music teacher. And why as a music teacher now I've started looking into sort of the the life beyond the classroom. Mm, Awesome. And that probably explains so much then about the job that you're doing right now and this world of co-curricular. But let's just imagine now that I'm a parent and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, what the heck is co-curricular? I've heard the term before, but I don't even know anything at all about what it is. Tell us in a nutshell what it is. It's a good question. It's a term that's sort of grown over the years. It's 
perhaps what we would have originally thought of as being called extracurricular, which in our mind is sort of clubs and activities, you know, your choirs and your sports teams and things like that. And it used to always just be called extracurricular. Even when I was first started teaching, that's what we called it. And it's that implies that it's just something extra tagged on, added on. And I think as years have gone by in education, we've realised that actually that's not the case. It's integral to the success of a whole school. And for many Mm. students, Mm. it's, you know, it's what shapes their school experience. It's as important, I could Mm. say more important, but I I won't say that. It's obviously (laughs) as important as the learning that takes place in the classroom. And Mm. therefore it's now thought of as being co-curricular. And it's all Mm. sorts of enrichment as well. It's not just clubs and activities, although they probably are at the forefront. It's also things like your house systems, your educational visits, trips, and, and any of those opportunities that are sort of real life outside of a a learning classroom situation. Mm. So talk us through what some of those clubs and activities could be in that case. Well, we have a huge number here. And, you know, I speak to colleagues in other schools and know that they've got even more. We, we break ours down into sort of sporty type clubs and activities. So you've got your usual netball, lacrosse, hockey, football, karate. Sometimes they're competitive. Sometimes they're just sort of more re- recreational or fun, yoga, pilates. We even do sort of a just dance. I don't know if you, you're aware of what just dance is, oh, wow. but you basically dance along dance routines to the, to the internet. Pure, purely fun. Hmm. but physical good for you exercise and then we'd have our creative clubs where we've got you know your choirs drama groups things like art society and all the different sort of more creative sides of things i've got a textiles club calligraphy club origami club wow. then we try and cater for the the academic side of life as well Mm-hmm. So we've got a chess club, numeracy, academic discussion, psych, sock, med, sock, Greek, classics, wow. really something for everybody. Okay. Uh, and you've got you think, your cultural stuff, things like book clubs, literate, literacy lunches, you know, uh, eco club. So we try to make sure that absolutely everyone is catered for whatever it is mm. that you love. There's something for you. And do you find that some of these clubs are now much more popular than they used to be? I'm, I'm thinking about the, uh, the, the the growth in the popularity of women's football and things like that. So, you know, some of these clubs surely would, would, would correlate with their, with their popularity in everyday life as well. Absolutely. Um, things like Eco Club has, you know, grown and grown of the years gone by. Football's an interesting one. Um, obviously, here we're a girls' school. Actually, mm. we've always had loads and loads of girls playing football. Mm. But yeah, I guess it's grown even more so recently. It has actually. Uh, so they do change. What we do, something that I'm really, really passionate about, is that we tailor our groups to the pupils who are in the school at any given time. Mm-hmm. And we also encourage clubs that are run by pupils for okay. pupils. Mm. So, for example, about six years ago, a group of girls were really keen on u- playing the ukulele. So Mm -hmm. they set up a ukulele club and it's now got about 45 kids in it and music teachers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's amazing. Mm. And they do brilliant mashups. You know, it's just fabulous. Uh, We don't get involved as music teachers at all. It's entirely run, arranged, as in orchestrated, you know, Mm -hmm. musically arranged by them. They do all of it. And actually, that stood the test of time. It's being passed on from generation to generation, you know, Mm. but... Mm. 
we've got other clubs where uh, we had a not so long ago a girl who did spoke fluent sign language so she ran a sign language club wow. um, and that was really well attended really popular so mm. that happens naturally and um, someone came to me the other day to say they want to run a formula one club i don't know <laughs> what it's going to be but i'm loving the idea brilliant wow and when do these different clubs and activities happen? Is it during the day at the expense of, of, of a history or English or maths lesson or are they after school and before school? No, they're all before school, during lunchtime and after school. We've got about 80 clubs or so that run in every, any given week. OK, now tell me why co-curricular activity is so important in school. Well, it's offering real life opportunities I think I think it's it's offering the chance to use those sort of soft skills that you might not necessarily be developing in the classroom Mm -hmm. and put them into more real life situations so you know MUN club or a debating society Holditch Uh, Holditch is something which we do where girls will present on topics of particular interest to them you know they're, they're developing those skills that aren't always as prevalent in the classroom and I think that's a really important thing, things that people are going to take into the workplace in the mm. future. And as I mentioned at the beginning, for me, one of the most important things is the mixing beyond your form or your yeah. year group. And I think that is almost solely the most important thing. It's just having older girls leading younger students and having them becoming friends with them. So, you know, our senior choirs year nine to 13. So you mm-hmm. end up with a load of year nines sitting right next to a load of year 12s and, th- and, and they're just all mixing in. And those are, that are really important social opportunities. And also this is people's talents and interests. You don't get to choose a lot for yourself in school until GCSEs even that's a bit directed isn't it you know you've got to do maths mm. English and science no matter what <laughs> a level sure you can choose but that's quite late on so mm. when you start school in year seven eight and even back in primary school the only thing you really get to shape um, around you are your clubs if you're super sporty you can go to eight different sports clubs a week you know if you're a bit of an a bit in everything you can go to pet care club and go to digital art and go to choir and go to greek you know you don't mm. get that choice in your lessons so i think it's really important for students to be able to shape their own learning and have that autonomy mm. to to choose where their talents and interests lie and i guess to an extent it it starts to help create more of an identity of each pupil in the school because you know the more different clubs and societies and activities they get involved in the more that that sort of becomes a part of who they are and they're demonstrating their own independence in their excitement and passion for that yeah exactly and they have missed out you know students have missed out students today have had a hard few years and they're the sorts of things that they haven't been able to really take control of and have you know those opportunities and when they come to write UCAS applications and they're looking at applying for jobs and going into the workplace Hmm. these are the things that are going to tell an employer or one on an admissions panel that Hmm. this person really stands out because they actually set up and led and took part in and was a dedicated member of such and such you know they've got these particular things that is different from their a levels Mm. from their Mm. subjects from their grades because you're going to get a lot of people with three b's or three a's or two Mm. a's and a b so Mm. what else do you have to sell yourself 
Yeah, I can give you my very quickly my own personal experience of that. Having been a member of the debating society when I was doing my A-levels, uh, after I left university, none of my potential employers gave really two hoots about my degree or my A-level results. The first thing they picked up on from my CV was the fact that I was a member of and at one point chaired the debating society. That got more interest than anything else. In fact, more than everything else put together. Yeah, you need the things that are not the course requirements mm. because everyone's going to meet the course requirements. So mm. what do you have that makes you stand out from the mm. crowd? So how were things then during pandemic? How did the co-curricular activities survive during that period? Did they all just grind to a halt or were you able to keep some of them going online? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, we, we set up in some ways it was easier when we were online than when we came back into school and everyone had staggered lunches and things. Mm, so yeah. when we were doing it online, we just, we're you know, we're an iPad school here. So we've got it made. We've got it easy, really, because mm. every pupil's got their own iPad. So we just set up a Zoom session <laughs> and a, a lot of the clubs just ran as they had done, you know, slightly slimmed down. But but lots and lots of clubs still took place. Some even set up and started through the pandemic. Oh, wow. Really? Gosh. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was a really important thing because actually the lessons did all carry on as normal, but mm. the socialising was mm. much harder. So mm. having the clubs still running, not all of them, but, you know, a good number of them was, mm. was good. So that in those lunch times, which is quite a long time, you know, an hour and 10, what we mm -hmm. have here, there's still something that they can do that's a bit of structure. So if I was a parent right now and I'm thinking I'd love my daughter to get involved in some of these activities, I'm wondering if there's a list of all of the different activities that, that they could join. Where could somebody go to find out more about that? Well, if you're a parent, then our Firefly has the timetable on at any given time for students and parents to have a look at. We, we sort of support and monitor through what the pupils are taking part in. So we support mm. them in that and they enroll in them here and we talk to them about what they're doing. And we do encourage them to all be involved in at least, well, we try and say at least three clubs because we actually have two, cl two clubs running every lunchtime. So, mm. you know, we, we know that a 13 year old might go oh, I don't really want to go to anything you know and that they need that little bit of go go on go you, mm. you know give it a try stick stick with it ha, ha, get involved and that's partly why we shape the clubs to them so if there's somebody sitting there saying but I don't want to go to anything mm. I, I will go and talk to them and say well what is it you do like what do you like to do okay come on well, can we set up or can you run a club mm. that's about what you know we've got Minecraft club oh, this year. brilliant yeah so there will be a club for you. And if there's not, well, let's set it up. You run it. Let's let's get one going in something that you like. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not easy, is it? So we do support them quite, quite strongly to help them follow that. Because we know we don't want them to regret it and get to sixth form and think, oh, I really should have done more. <laughs> mm. Becky, if you could go back in time and speak to your, your, your own teenage self, what, 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 what clubs and activities would you encourage yourself to join that you might otherwise not have stepped into? Hmm. Well, I was pretty sporty, so I did quite a lot of sports and I was obviously very musical. So my music took up a huge amount of my time and mm -hmm. eventually I had to choose and I did more of the music stuff than the sporty stuff. But I would have liked to have done more of the debating. I didn't ever do very much sort of academic clubs things like debating I think would have been really interesting to have been able to go and do that sort of things I really enjoy going and watching things that they do here and I think mm. wow that you know the poise and 
how focused and intelligently these kids can speak is mm. just really impressive. But clearly you took more of a music route. What is it about music that led you down that path? Oh, gosh. Well, uh, family. My mum's musical. So I started playing from a young age. And it's funny, a friend of mine's got a son who's thinking about, should he go and do science or should he go and do dance? And I was saying to her, well, the problem is, will he will he be able to stop dancing? Because <laughs> it it's part of you. And that's what happened with me was that the that music just, it took over. It was just such a huge thing. And it was part of me and part of my soul if you like that sounds a bit cheesy doesn't it but mm -hmm. y you can't stop and the more you do it and it's a real adrenaline buzz I used to love performing so I did lots of competitions and festivals and exams and things like that and it's a bit addictive really it probably is it's probably a chemical thing actually isn't it thinking mm -hmm. about it and mm -hmm. and you can't stop it makes you feel really really good and then it just becomes a part of your your life mm -hmm. that you even if you wanted to, you actually can't get rid of it because you just miss it too much. And do you still play piano recre recreationally now? Yeah, I do. I get a bit frustrated because I don't perform as a mm -hmm. soloist. So I was very much a, a classical solo performer. You know, I'd be playing sonatas, concertos, things like that. And so as a music teacher, I don't get many opportunities mm. to, to do a concerto. So I do still play, but because there's no end performance, I don't tend to play quite as much piano I do I do it I try and keep it very light currently I'm learning bass guitar oh nice so I've kind of okay. gone back to back to the start again and I play quite a lot of bass guitar and I'm okay at it now and I play drum kit I got drum kit for Christmas too so I'm kind of widening my skills rather than just playing piano all the time <laughs> I, I love the way you're smashing through that stereotype because a lot of bass guitarists tend to be uh, men with a bit of a tummy and usually a beard as well um, <laughs> and, uh, a, and a beer and, and a, a beer, beer in it, one hand exactly and a that. cigarette in the other <laughs> <laughs> so, so what led you into the world of bass guitar then <laughs> well now it's evolving should we say at the moment is a staff band called mark scheme and the invigilators oh brilliant <laughs> Yeah, I know. And I actually started drumming in the band. Mm -hmm. And then my colleague took over for my maternity cover and she drummed. And then I came back and I drummed. Then she had came for my next baby and she drummed. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we both started working here. And we're like, oh my God, we both drum. <laughs> so I had to relinquish drums <laughs> and step aside. And so I played bass guitar, who the lead singer was playing bass guitar whilst mm -hmm. singing. So okay, I was right. like, well, I'll play bass guitar. It can't be that hard, surely. Oh, yeah. And he he sang and did a bit of guitar as well, a bit of rhythm. Mm -hmm. So so then I played guitar for Staff Band and was pretty dodgy for a, a long time. And then in the last sort of couple of years, I suppose, I started getting trying to get better and trying to actually play properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't think of many bands where the lead singer also plays lead guitar. There's Level 42 back in the day, although that's going back to the 80s. I think some of the parents might might know Level 42. Is it Mark King, the lead singer there? But I don't know many other bands where, where, the, where the bass guitarist is a prominent feature of the band. Maybe, maybe, we, no. maybe it's time to change that. Sadly, our lead singer left us last year. And so we now don't currently have a lead singer. So it's just why I'm saying we're sort of evolving at the moment. I wish I could sing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really wants to hear me sing. <laughs> so you play, but you don't sing. Is that right? Well, I do. Oh, no, I do sing. 
just not very nicely. Okay, <laughs> well, right. well enough to convey it to all our choirs. All our choirs can sing fabulously and sound mm. like angels. And they are all taught by us. So I can convey a tune, but I'm not sure I would be a stage performer, singer. <laughs> and what are some of the favourite pieces of music the choir has sung in that case? Oh, quiet. Well, we're really fortunate here because our head of music, Mrs. Healy, is a composer. Oh, gosh, so, right. Uh, by far and away our best choir pieces we have a chamber choir who are sort of we've got three choirs two of them are just purely for fun anyone Mm -hmm. can be in them and then our chamber choirs sort of auditioned and a little bit more serious if you like and she's written lots now probably about 10 beautiful beautiful songs for the chamber choir to Mm. sing yeah Mm. and they are all stunning and you Mm. possibly wouldn't have heard of any of them because although i believe that they're going to be available soon for wider use so if we haven't heard of them so far, then we quite possibly will be soon. Hopefully. Most of our parents will have come across and we've got a few lovers, uh, Spirit of Christmas, Gloria, and uh, our cathedral services usually include one or two of her songs mm. with, a, with the usual Rutter or, mm-hmm. you know, Carol of the Bells, whatever else happens to be on the cards. Mm-hmm. What's your favourite piece of Rutter music then in that case? Oh, Oh, I think it's got to be the Lord bless you and keep you. Classic favourite. It's a classic one. And then just finally, we, we've got not long to go until Christmas. What do you plan to do over the Christmas break? Play some bass guitar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having having a lion has become extraordinarily important to me. I, In fact, it's funny, it's a pandemic, I think, and, and all the lockdowns. I've got youngish children, they're eight and 11 now, and I used to dread not having things planned so Mm. I used to dread empty weekends or empty Mm. holidays and think oh my god how am I going to entertain the kids how am I going to keep them happy for all that time and now I'm a complete reverse so now I just look try to make no plans with anybody (laughs) and just have lots of long lions and nothing (laughs) planned all day (laughs) sounds lovely it really does Mm. Becky we need to bring this to a close in a minute but if anyone's heard anything and wants to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to do that They can get in touch with me here at school. They can contact the school directly or they can email me on rbroom at thequeenschool.co.uk. rbroom, that's R and then B-R-O-O-M-E. Is that right? That's right. Perfect. Okay, great. Well, look, thank you for being here. Thanks for giving up your time, especially this late on a Wednesday evening. I really appreciate your time. (laughs) appreciate you being here. And thank you for opening up this world of co-curricular to us all. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So that was Becky Broom discussing with us co-curricular life at Queen's. Thank you so much, Becky. We really appreciate you taking out the time to share all of this with us. Now, if you're listening and you'd like to get in touch with her, then just email rbroom, that's R-B-R-O-O-M-E, at thequeenschool.co.uk and she'll be right there to help you. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so that you get future notifications and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.